You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right. Well, if you would turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, and while you're turning there, I want to read a passage out of John to you. This is, uh, I'm excited this week. I was uh, working toward this last week about kind of introducing our theme for the year. And the exciting thing about introducing the theme for the year is that this, this is also really the, the vision and the mission for our church. And, uh, and we, we see that in John 10.10. You've heard me mention it a lot in recent days because it's kind of been leading up to what I want to share with you today. In John 10.10, Jesus just simply said these words. He said, The thief cometh not for, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. All right, so the theme of the year I'm excited to introduce to you is life abundant, life abundant. And I want to talk to you about that today. And, uh, you know, Jesus describes his mission when he says this, when he says, this is why I've come. Now, he describes it a little bit more in a couple different places where he says, I am come that they might have life. But he also, in another place, Jesus says, I came into the world to save sinners. I came into the world to save sinners. In another place, he said, I come not to call the righteous, but uh, call center, sinners to repentance. In another place, he said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. But that's all tied up in that very first phrase there where Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. Because that's speaking of eternal life in Jesus Christ, salvation. So Jesus came to defeat sin and Satan. You see, there's a problem. And it's your problem. And it's really every person's problem. And that is sin. And Jesus introduces it in the very first part of John 10.10. He calls it the thief. He said it's a thief that came to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's a thief that we battle on a regular basis. Sin and Satan, Many we, we have all been robbed. And we are constantly uh, trying to be robbed again and destroyed by the work of Satan and by really the work of our sin. It's almost like we've got... Is, is it not true that there's something about us that seems to have a little bit of a self-destructive nature? Now, we may not think of it in the most extreme terms. When we think of people with self-destructive natures, we maybe think of people that, that, uh, that at one time was us or people that we know and love that have drug and alcohol problems, and we think, well, man, that's self-destructive behavior. It is self-destructive behavior. But I'm telling you, selfishness is self-destructive behavior. Pride is self-destructive behavior. Worry is self-destructive behavior. I mean, uh, greed is self-destructive behavior. We could just go right on down the list. We all have this self-destructive nature within us, but Jesus came to defeat sin and Satan, but he also came to deliver the sinner, as we saw in those verses. I like the way the Apostle Paul said it. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You say, well, who is that? Who did he come to save? Sinners. And that's all of us, amen? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's important to understand what happens when a person gets saved. I think about that because I often talk about that. You need to to get saved. You need life in Christ. 
But I'd like to show you today and explain just in the way of talking about the first part of this promise that Jesus has and really our mission, life and life abundantly. But I want to talk about the life part first. To understand what happened when a person is born again. In what sense does Jesus give life? He said, I've come that you might have life. I mean, just reason it out for a second. He speaks that to people that are living, breathing, going about their time, going about their day. But then Jesus looks at them and says, hey, I've come that you might have life. And and the message still goes to today. Because today, we communicate the message of Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus, come that you might have life. You need Christ. You need to be saved. And somebody's like, well, uh, I kind of have a life already. I'm alive. I'm well. I'm doing just fine. But what we discover in Ephesians gives us a good example, an illustration of where man really is. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 The Bible begins to describe this. And here's what it says. And you hath he quickened, which means to be made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So here he's speaking to people who have received this life in Christ. And he says, you've been quickened. He said, but you were dead. Now once again, he's speaking to people that physically are living, breathing, you know, living out their lives. But he says we were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now he goes on to describe what this looks like in verses 2 and 3. Wherein, in time past, ye walked. Okay, ye walked, that speaks of your lifestyle. So you may be living, but when this begins to describe your lifestyle, you understand that you're dead while you're living. He said, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This speaks about Satan's rule and power in this current earth. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. By nature. In other words, it's natural. I've, I've, I've got just a little picture here, a little graph that might that kind of helps illustrate what I mean about being spiritually dead. I think we have it anyway. Uh, all right. And I apologize for those on this side. I'll try to get over there to you later. But what you see is that mankind... This, these circles here represent you. Uh, everybody that's ever been born is body, soul, spirit. Now, the body is pretty self-explanatory. The body is made up of our senses, right? I mean, our, our physical outside, the five senses, nerve cells, organs, brains, flesh, the whole thing. All right? But then our soul, body, soul, spirit. Our soul is our thoughts, Our soul is our thinking, it's our feelings, so it's our emotions, it's our attitudes, it's our memories, it's our reasoning, that's what our soul is. So really, your soul is who you really are. This body is just what kind of carries your soul around. We all know that we're more than just flesh and blood. We're a soul, all right? We're body, we're soul. But he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead. 
Now, we were not dead physically. We were not dead emotionally. Now, again, there's some. That's where some of the uh, the death and uh, the, the kill, the steal, kill, and destroy comes in at. But where we are dead is spiritually. We're alive. Why? We, we're alive because we say we can relate to the world around us. And we're present in the world around us, alright? So we relate to the world around us. We, we, we're born with, you know, a mind and thoughts and feelings and just right on down the, the, the line. But the place where we're dead is spiritually. And by the way, to understand what death... The, the real image of death, by the way, is separation. Death, death is applied in many other areas of life if you really think about it. But death means separation. When do you die? When your soul is separated from your body. Right? Because there's people that that are laying there and look all but dead. But there's still some activity. Why? Because their soul has not yet left their bodies. But when the soul leaves the body, I'm going to look just like, if if I were to kill over right now, in five minutes from now, I'd pretty much look just like I do right now. But I wouldn't be alive because my soul would be separated from my body. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing the separation principle is because that's what it means to be spiritually dead. To be spiritually dead means that our spirit... So just with our five senses, we interact with the world. We feel, we hear, we taste, we smell, we see. Right? But spiritually, we do not have that capability because we're dead. So before we... We are born dead in our sins, which just simply means spiritually we are dead. But what happens when we're saved by the grace of God, the Bible says we are quickened. And the way we are quickened is this is why Jesus calls it being born again. Because we've been born the first time. We have a body and we have a soul, but we need to be born again because he says you need to be born spiritually. And the way we're born again is through the working of, ready for this? For the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We hear our need for salvation. We hear the good news of Christ from the Word of God. The Spirit of God begins to stir in our hearts. That relates to our soul. It, it gets to our, we, we start thinking about the gospel. God begins to work in our hearts, our emotions about the gospel. We see our need for Him. And when we say, yes, Jesus, I want you to become my Savior... Life. Life takes place. You are born in. You are safe. You're, you're, you're quickened. So that's why the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Because when God moves in and makes that change, that makes, brings life into you, there's a change. All right? And I'll come back to that in just a moment. But that's what it means when we're talking about you need life. The problem with people around us, I heard this story years ago. It was told, I was looking for the exact story, but it was told on a radio show that I was listening to, and it was told as a fact. It was on Mike and Mike in the Morning, which dates how long, the, long ago the story was. It was probably 15 year, 10, 15 years ago. But I remember hearing the story. It said that a man, uh, went, that his man, that this man, okay, Ah, let me back up here, get my story straight. That the man went on a motorcycle ride with his dad, all right? Uh, he goes on, on, on a motorcycle ride with his dad. He, uh, they, they stop for coffee at one of his dad's favorite coffee places. 
Uh, they, 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 they keep traveling, I think, driving down the coast or something, and they come and they stop and eat lunch and, and are just kind of taking in the sights as they go on this motorcycle ride, spend the day together, lovely day. Nothing too unusual about the story except for one thing. His dad was dead. His dad was a corpse. Now, there was somebody that may have enjoyed in some weird way that motorcycle ride that day, but it wasn't dad. I promise you that. Because dad was dead. All right, you say, this is morbid. Yeah, it is morbid. But but dad was dead. So dad wasn't just like, dude, this is awesome. I I love feeling the wind in my face. Uh, and, And I feel like some of you are just like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm getting some funny looks right now. But I'm telling you, that's the way the story was told. Uh, you want to know something about dead people? Dead people don't see anything, feel anything, experience anything. Dad did not enjoy the coffee that day. Dad did not enjoy the views of the coast that day. Why? Because he was dead. You say, what's that got to do with anything? People are spiritually dead. And, a, and, and someone who is dead, listen, you, you, here's what happens. You know, the world tries to reform spiritually dead people. We're dead because of our sin. The world tries to reform and get people better. Hey, we live in a day-to-day to where people just start telling people that, that there's nothing even wrong with you, with your sin, right? That which causes death. Oh, no, you're alive. You're fine. And they just feed into all the perversions and evil and murderous tendencies of natural man. That's all death. That's all a part of the old nature because people are spiritually dead. I mean, religion, religion tries to... You know, I don't know, burn a candle with this person and get this person to recite a prayer and all this stuff. But the, but the problem is, there's no spiritual life there. Because that's all working from the outside in. God doesn't work from the outside in. God works from the inside out. And when we're born again, there's life brought to our spirits. And that's what it means to know Christ. So the day that I was brought alive spiritually, all of a sudden I had been separated from God, now I know God. Now I'm, ex- now I'm just like, oh my goodness, my sins have been forgiven. I get it now. Anybody else? I get it now. Jesus died for me. He forgave me. That's what it means to be alive spiritually. Because all, the only way that we can be made alive spiritually is through the working and the miracle, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now notice what the Bible goes on to say. Among whom also we all had our conversation. I'm sorry, that's verse 3. Look at verse 4. So this is the moment of salvation. If you're here today and you are saved by the grace of God, you at one point lived in verses 1 through 3. Everybody has. Everybody does. If you haven't been saved, you're still living there. But if you're saved, I I love the way it describes it here in verse number 4. But God. We were walking in this way, we were lost, we were hopeless, we were helpless. I mean, we were, uh, you know, we, we were experiencing these things of the world that were trying to make us alive. All the things that the people do in this world are trying to satisfy what they're missing spiritually. But nothing in this world can satisfy what's missing spiritually except God who is a spirit who comes in and makes a difference. We were like that, all of us. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. (laughs) 
Folks, that's why when it comes to what we're trying to do with people in this world and the message that we preach, we understand that people need a resurrection. I mean, listen, they don't need to just be rejuvenated. They need to be resurrected. People don't just need to get better. They need to be made alive. And only Jesus can do that. And that's why we preach the gospel message. And that's what he says here. Notice the terminology in verse 6. And he hath raised us up together. Folks, that's resurrection language. And hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now he starts talking about the abundant life. And then then even looking ahead to our future, verse 7, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His kindness and of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It makes sense, doesn't it? Salvation is the work of God. Because again, no matter how much a dead man may want to, he can't just become alive again. And when we're spiritually dead, there's nothing we do to be made alive because there's nothing a dead man can do. But the Spirit of God works in our hearts, in our lives, in our soul, and He uh, saves our spirit, brings us to life, and that's where this change takes place. All right, so that's a little bit about life that I could uh, try to share with you a little bit better later, but... I want to move on to the, the abundant life because that's the message that we're talking about today. What's the theme of the year? It's life abundant. What's really the mission of our church? It's life and it's more abundant. And I want to try to share that with you in just a moment. But verse 10 lets us know a little bit about that. Notice verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, so he's saying, you, you are saved now. You know, that's the thing. We want people to know Christ, to, to, to receive Christ, to know Christ as Savior. What happens? They're then made spiritually alive. But that's just the beginning. Folks, I trusted Christ many years ago, but that was just the beginning because I am now His workmanship. Alright? We're talking about abundant life. I'm His workmanship. Folks, that's the word that we get our English word masterpiece from. He begins to do a work on me. He he sees something in you that nobody else sees. And He begins to do a work in your life. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. See, it's God's will for you. It was God's will for you to be saved before He ever even made the earth. He knew all about you. And He wanted to save you and do a work in your life. He had ordained already what He wants to make of you. That's a beautiful picture. Salvation is just the beginning. But but we're saved through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But then then we grow and we're transformed through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's a part of what it means to have and to share in the abundant life. In other words, God begins to work us into what He really meant us to be. To what He created us to be. And, and, and that happens, and he, we are enabled, and He gives us life as we abide in Jesus Christ as the vine. So we have abundant, overflowing life because when we get saved, we're connected with Christ. And when we are, we begin to bear fruit. Here's what the Bible says about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, here's what God says He wants to bring into your life. This is abundant life. 
He talks about in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit being love. Love. You know the only kind of people that some, the only kind of love some people know, don't you? It's not this kind of love. See, this kind of love is different than the love that we often experience. We have, what we call love today is often a very selfish thing. Because it's all about us. We love, most of the things that we say we love, we love because we get what we get out of it. You know, I love my truck, right? I love barbecue. Um, you know, I could go right down the list. There's some things I love. I mean, isn't it terrible to say, to, to, to in one breath say, hey, I sure do love hamburgers, and then in the same breath say, honey, I love you too. But that's the way we live in the, and that's why so many relationships, so many people, their love, quote unquote, is all about what they get out of it. Not biblical love. The kind of love we have as a result of the fruit of the Spirit, it's a love that we don't even know how to describe it. Because we're, able to, we're enabled by the Holy Spirit of God to love without thinking what we get in return. Our love isn't based about what we're getting out of it anymore. Our love is based on just a sincere love about what we can give to this person. You know, we, we could get a reflection of it in, in a mother's love for a child. But, but, but so there's love. How about this one? Joy. Joy. Here, I'm talking about the abundant life. God wants you to have love. He wants you to have joy. You know one of the great things? Here's what joy is, folks. Joy is being happy, but it's more than just being happy. Anybody can be happy when everything's going good. We're all happy then. That's no big deal. Joy is something, even when things are hard, even when we don't even understand what's going on, that we have a joy that we know that in Christ, His hand is upon our lives. We can have a joy. The Bible says we have peace. We have peace. Again, hey, don't don't misunderstand me. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that the troubles go away. You know, there was an an art class, and they had an assignment that was, you know, paint a picture of peace, and a portrait of peace. That was was the goal of the art class. And, of course, what would you paint, by the way? What would you paint if you were in an art class that said, hey, paint me a picture of peace? Well, some people, you know, painted a, a beautiful mural of the, of, of the Rocky Mountains, you know, with the sun coming, and just, man, just, just peace, tranquil. Somebody just painted some rolling hills and, and just looked like a beautiful spring day and the sun shining and, and, and some birds flying and all of that. But there was one of the students that painted an absolute ugly picture. It was dark. I mean, just dark tones throughout. It was a stor- dark, stormy sky against a, a dark cliff with raging, scary-looking waves crashing up against the rocks. I mean, it just looked horrible. But if you looked real closely, there was, there, there was a little cleft in the rock, and there was a little bird in there with her little baby birds safely tucked away from all that was going on with the storm and the raging ocean, and everything else, she was in there safe. Why? She had peace. Folks, that was the winning picture. That was the the grade-getting picture. Why? Because that's peace. Some people think, yep, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to start coming to church. I just need things to be better. Well, I can't always promise you things are going to get better. But I can promise you one thing. You can have peace in the midst of whatever's whatever's going on. 
You can have the creator of the universe helping and walking with you through whatever you go through. There's, and then therefore you have peace and then you can also have joy. So we have peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Listen, how many of you worry? How many of you are plagued with worry? Man, listen, you can have faith. You can have meekness, temperance. How many of you, would, how many of you wish you could get, could get a little bit of self-control in your life? Maybe control your temper. Control your lust. Control your desires. That, wouldn't that be nice? But that's a part of the abundant life, that we can have temperance. I mean, listen, see, the abundant life speaks of victory. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are now more than conquerors through him that loved us. That word, uh, more than conquerors, is the Greek word super nikeo. And the idea is super conquerors. Super conquerors. I mean, it ain't just winning the game. It's a flat-out beatdown. It's not just winning the fight. It is never a contest. That's what the Bible says we are in Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ. That's a part of the abundant life. Now, some of you Christians are already starting to catch on and saying, well, preacher, that doesn't really describe my life too well. And that's very true. Because uh, just because you have life doesn't mean that you're living the abundant life, but it means that's what's available to you. He says we're more than conquerors. Living the abundant life means a couple other things. It means being chosen. Listen to this. Chosen, loved, and accepted. Hey, it feels good to be chosen. Anybody ever the first person to get chosen for the team? Uh, That feels good. It feels bad when you're the last one and they're just like, ah. And what about when you're the last one and it's an odd number and you're going to be the extra person that puts more on the other team and both teams are like, nah, you can have her, you can have her. Feels good, doesn't it? Hey, but I'm glad in Christ. Listen, we're chosen. You're God's number one pick. He wants you. We're chosen according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse, 4, verse 6. We are also loved and accepted. The Bible says that we are accepted in Him in love. The Bible says we're forgiven. The abundant life speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of forgiveness, and listen to this, freedom from guilt. Wouldn't it be a lot nice to be able to live without guilt? You notice something about the things I'm talking about right now? These are the things that people either try to escape or attain in the world. Whether it's in religious practice. How many people, because of guilt and and, and not being accepted and loneliness, destroy their lives through drugs and alcohol because they've lost all hope. Because they've tried everything in this world, but nothing is taking care of that deep, deep, empty place, that dead place where Jesus belongs. But see, what I'm telling you is in Christ, all of these things are a part of the abundant life. How about this? Full assurance. Full assurance. Hey, I know where I'm spending eternity. I know that my God is with me. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that He's able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Listen, I've got purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that you're His workmanship. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, the Bible talks about knowing and learning the perfect will of God for your life. Listen, you were created and put on this earth for a reason. And if you don't know Christ, you're missing that reason. And if you know Christ and aren't allowing your life to be controlled by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, you're missing that purpose. You're missing all this that the world promises but can't deliver on. Purpose. The perfect will of God. Now, where does Elk Point Baptist Church fit into all this? I I told you this is our theme for the year. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus unto them again. Who's them? His apostles. Those that would be starting His churches. So this applies to the churches that would be follow after that. And here's what He says. Peace be unto you. And here's what He says. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So how did the Father send Him? Why did He come? He came that people might have life. He came that people might have more abundant life. And you know what He says to us, Oak Point Baptist Church? So send I you. This is your mission also. The Father sent me so that people might have life and more abundantly. I'm sending you that people may have life and life more abundantly. See, living an abundant life is a process of growth and of service. I don't want you to get frustrated if you're sitting there thinking, because there's people in here today no doubt thinking, Preacher, I've been saved for many years. And when you just start describing the abundant life, man, that really doesn't describe the way I live my life from day to day. And you may be discouraged because of that, but don't be discouraged because it is a process. Salvation is not a process, but our growth, our sanctification is a process. It's growth, it's service. It's service. See, again and again, Jesus, I believe it's shown throughout the epistles that the abundant life takes place in the context of the church. Of a local church is where this uh, abundant life, that's the context of it. I can prove that even in the, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to read verses 11 through 16. I would encourage you to do so. But I will read, um, let's see, verse number 11. The Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These are talking about the gifts that God has given in the church. By the way, if you are saved, I've said it many times, you have a spiritual gift. But why did he give these gifts of, 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 the, of the edifying, the preaching, the teaching, the Word of God? Verse 13, um, I'm sorry, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. That's the maturing. That's the growing of the saints, those that are saved. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come together in the unity and so forth. And you go down through here and you see God's picture here. Now, you know, much of what we preach out of the Word of God is countercultural, and it's becoming more and more countercultural. Much of, much of the philosophy that our world has bought into is a Freudian psychology and a philosophy that says what? Hey, if it feels good, do it. At all costs. If you want to please your, if you want to be happy, make sure you do just make, you just look out for you. You just seek all the pleasure in this life and then you'll find true happiness. Well, we know that's not true. But there was, a, there was another psychologist and philosopher by the name of Viktor Frankl. 
And he contended with Sigmund Freud, insinuating, because what Sigmund Freud says is that the chief of man, the chief desire of man is just pleasure. But Victor Frankel, he countered that argument, and he said the chief desire of man is not pleasure, but meaning. Frankel argued convincingly that man was actually most tempted to distract himself with pleasure when his life was devoid of meaning. So when your life is devoid of meaning, then you just go seeking pleasure trying to find meaning. But you don't find it because you keep making it all about you, all about you. See, you think about this. Opportunity. Opportunity. See, God invites you to life and then to the abundant life to be lived out within the context of a church. L Point Baptist Church invites you to participate in something that's greater than yourself. A movement. A cause to champion. A valiant fight against a real villain. What I'm saying is, there's a purpose and a cause for your life, and a part of that is being saved, getting to be a part of some Bible-believing church, and helping be a hero in somebody else's life. Helping the people around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, those we care about who are lost without Christ. That's what we try to do. That's our goal. Now, I I, I mentioned this a moment ago, but I want to show that graph again, if you would, uh, please, Ryan. I want you to look at this. All right? So the Bible's body, soul, and spirit. I don't know where you stand uh, spiritually, but there's many of you, I can't really get around to that one, but you can look up there. But for how many years, we got the body, we got the five senses, for how long has what you think, how you reason, see, because what you think always affects the way you feel about things. And how you feel is always the reason why you do whatever it is that you do. For how long have you been listening to your five senses? and letting? So in other words, for how long from the outside has it been dictated what, what the purpose of life is? What the meaning of life is? What brings joy in your life? For all of our lives, and still to this day, we're constantly bombarded from the outside from what's going to affect our thinking, what's going to affect our beliefs, attitudes, feelings, emotions. Memories, thinking, reasoning, choices on down the line. All the time. All the time out here, okay? But here's what happens when you get saved. The Spirit of God begins to work in your life, and this is where I talk about the ministry of the church coming into place. Because what are we doing here? We're preaching the Word of God. We're trying to give opportunities for people to grow in the Word of God. We're going to be trying to get some groups together uh, within this coming year that will give you opportunities to take the, the, the next steps in your Christian life. It's all about the Word of God. By the way, I forgot to announce, but there's uh, a few of us guys here in town. Anybody's welcome to come. It's mostly been guys here in town. But on Monday mornings, we get together here at 8 o'clock and, uh, and, and have a time of Bible study and fellowship. We could possibly move that time for those that need to do that earlier. But I want to start doing some of those things in Sioux City, possibly some small groups and different things. Why? Because I want to get you, have, give you the opportunity 
to be around other Christians, to be around the Word of God, to where through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we begin, because once we get saved, our information is supposed to be coming from here. What I think, how I feel, my emotions, my attitudes are supposed to be coming from God's truth. Not the lies around us in the world. Not the misconceptions. And here's the thing. This is a, this is a, this is a constant process, by the way. Uh, right? There's still many of us that we have certain attitudes. We've been saved for many years. We have attitudes that go back from when we were 14 years old. And we're 40, 50, 60, whatever it is. We have unforgiveness that goes back. I don't have time to get into this too much, but what we're basically talking about right here is the essence of spiritual warfare. Satan trying to work on our senses from the outside and the world, and God trying to work on our thoughts from the inside. So there's this battle. But as we grow in the Word of God, that's one of the reasons. We don't, just, we don't tell people to, to read their Bibles out of some religious duty. We tell you to read the Bible because it can transform your life. Because it will begin to affect the way you think. The Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians that we should take every thought and bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. How do we know, what, how do we know the obedience of Christ? How do, we know what, how, how do we know to bring our thoughts and filter our thoughts through truth if we don't even know the truth? We've got to start reading. We've got to start taking advantage of just coming to church. Come on Wednesday night. To take advantage of the women's Bible study. Take advantage of the men's Bible study. Take advantage of, of just even the times, listen, that we just, because it, it's not even always got to be a Bible study. Sometimes it's just spending time together. It's been around people that, are, that think like you, that have been made spiritually alive, that are trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Literally just sometimes hanging out, going out for a meal, spending some time together. It doesn't always, there's a lot of spiritual things that don't seem real spiritual. Spending time together. Up here yesterday, painting, uh, working. You know what? That, there, there was a lot of spiritual activity involved in there. Why? We're just around one another. Just around one another. Being encouraged by one another. Just, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. I want to close with an illustration. Because, as, as again, as I think about the theme and the mission of our church overall, it's this. Life abundantly. Why should anybody come to this church? Right? Do you want your friends and neighbors to come to this church? Why? Hey, come to church. Why? Why should I come to church? You know what the answer should be? Life abundantly. Hey, your testimony can even be. And by the way, I'm going to be looking for people that would be willing to testify, to put a testimonial maybe on social media, on the website. Uh, You know, people that would be willing to say, man, here's what God's done in my life. Not for the praise church but for the praise of God and for the for the for the uh, mission of people find life in Christ and abundant life in Christ all right and so the idea that, that that's the mission Jesus said as the father sent me so send I you I'm going to close with this illustration today in John chapter number 11 is uh, there there's a story there to where a close friend of Jesus by the name of Lazarus had died Lazarus had died, he had been wrapped up, basically almost like a mummy, and put into a tomb. Four days later, in response to the sister's prayer, uh, well, spoiler alert, Jesus came, but thank you, Ryan, uh, but Jesus came, but many of you knew it anyway, but Jesus came and he said something. He brought Lazarus forth from the grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus comes out of the grave. Now, there's a few things that I want to show you in regards to this story. Number one, before Jesus ever did this, there's a couple things that had to happen. Number one, 
If you remember the story in John chapter number 11, Jesus told them this. They came to the place of the tomb, and Jesus said, before he ever said, Lazarus, come forth, he said, Lazarus. Or he said, he said this to the people around, hey, you want me to work a miracle? Take ye away the stone. You know what part of the ministry of the church is to help roll away some of the stones. Some of the things that are standing in the way of God working a miracle in somebody else's life. Hey, sometimes it's, it's things that are standing in the way of God working a miracle in our lives. God says, take ye away the stone. Sometimes we're, we ask God to take things from our lives that we just need to determine that we're going to take away with God's help. Oh God, I really want this. You're going to have to take it away from me. No, no. Just say, Lord, with your help, I'm, giving, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm rolling this out of the way today. But there's something else about that. What are some of the things in the way of God working in people's lives? There are misconceptions of God. I'm trying to roll away stones every week. Every day just about. I'm trying to roll away stones as I talk to somebody about Christ. Sometimes as I talk to a Christian. They've got these false conceptions that stand in the way of Jesus doing a miracle. What they believe, what they believe about religion. What they believe about Christ. What they believe about God the Father. Whatever it is, there's things standing in the way. But through the truth of God's Word, we can help roll those stones away. But then as the church, as Christians, we ought to weekly, if not daily, be sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Lazarus, come forth! In other words, the life-giving Word of God that brought Lazarus out of the tomb. Sharing the gospel. I mean, no matter, I'm telling you, whatever class or anything's going on here, we try to always make sure that we're giving that life-giving message. Life. Now, here's, here's Lazarus. Lazarus has been brought forth out of the tomb. Lazarus is alive. But Lazarus doesn't come out of the tomb like, hey man, cool, what's up, you know, everybody, I'm here, I'm back. No. He's coming out something like this. Is he alive? Yeah, he's alive. But he's still bound. He's still kind of held tight by some things. What things? We go back to that other graphic, Ryan. Those things that have been affecting his thinking for a long time. He still, he, listen, he still has some thoughts, patterns from the old life that he's still bound by. And, you know, and, and, and notice what Jesus says there. In, in, the, in the book of John, chapter number 11, here's what he says to the people. The people are around. He said, hey, loose him and let him go. So what I'm saying is a part of the ministry of this church and the goal of this church is to help start loosing people. Helping set, set some people free from some, some, some thoughts, some things they've thought about themselves through the years. Lies they've believed about themselves. About their failure and their inability to, to do things. Lies about addictions. Both substance and pornography and whatever other kind of addictions it may be. People are bound. And they think, I mean, they're alive! But they still have some tight... Listen, I've told, you, I've told you a lot of stories about when I first got saved. About some of my goofy things and about my, you know, my lack of character and all the terrible things about when I first got saved. Hey, when I first got saved, man, I'm telling you, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing uh, about a year into being saved that... Uh, man, I'm scared to even say this, Kevin, but I'm probably going to say it anyway... Uh, but but, it, but it, took, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing for a friend of mine to say, Hey, man... 
It's okay to smoke dope. The Bible says God made and blessed the herb of the field. I'm like, oh, cool, man. Why? I was bound. I still had. I was still bound up a little bit. But I'm glad there's some Christians. I'm glad there was a church that I went to, to where there was some loving, patient Christians that themselves had been bound at one time. Somebody else had helped them uh, get loose. Right? And, and that's the job. That's one of the ministries of the church. That's one of the ministries of the Word of God. It will help begin to help people get loose. To help people. You know what Jesus said? He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm no longer bound by these old ideas. I'm no longer bound by these old habits. I, I, I've shared with you before, folks, you're looking at a man who's been transformed today. You're not looking at a reformed man. You're looking at a transformed man. You're looking at a man that over time, through the working of the Spirit of God within my spirit, God has loosed me. He has strengthened me. He has transformed me. Now I want to tell you something very clearly today. The work is not over. Because it's an everyday battle. But I'm telling you, He's given the victory today. And, uh, and, and then, then, then the last part of this illustration... In chapter number 12, you see Lazarus living the abundant life of John. He's sitting, feasting with Jesus. <laughs> what a beautiful picture that is. Having a party with Jesus. I don't miss this world's parties. I'm partying with Jesus. <laughs> I didn't quit drinking. I just changed fountains, amen. I began to drink from the fountain of life instead. I didn't quit getting high, but I'm just high on the Lord. Amen. And, and this high has lasted almost 30 years. Right? He said, I don't like you talking about that. Well, when you preach, you can talk about it however you want to, okay? Uh, but I'm preaching right now, and I'm just saying, Jesus, they, they was partying with Jesus. And you want to know something else? Because of the resurrection that Jesus caused in him, but that's not all. Also because somebody rolled the stone away. Also because somebody went and tried to start taking that bandage and that wrap off of Lazarus. His life. People weren't just coming to see Jesus. People were coming to see Lazarus. Ain't that something? And so what that tells us is this. God wants to use your life to be a testimony to somebody else. If I had time, I would warn you a little bit because some of the people came to see Him and trusted Christ. There was other people there that said, you know what, we need to figure out how to kill Jesus, but we need to figure out how to kill Lazarus too. Because his life is such a testimony for Christ now. And not everybody will be happy about what Christ has done in your life. Hey, am I the only one that when God said, listen, God saved my life, He radically changed me, and He's still radically changing me. Am I the only one that somebody in their family thought they joined a cult when they got saved? My dad thought, what in the world is going on with this boy? He, he was just sure it had to be a cult. It's not a cult, it's Christ, amen? He changed my life. But I'm telling you, not everybody was happy about it. But I was, Amen? And so, life abundantly. Amen. Let's all stand, please. And I thank you for your patience this morning. Life abundantly. Hey, can I ask you a serious question? Most important question you'll ever be asked in your life. Do you have life in Christ today? Do you know that you've been... Have you been made alive spiritually? If you haven't, you know what? 
Jesus would like to work that work, that miracle, that resurrection in your life today. Wouldn't you like to be saved? Wouldn't you like to change that bondage to, to freedom in Christ? I'm not talking about converting to some religion, folks. Jesus will change you. What you've been missing is found 100% in Christ. Only trust Him, the song says. Listen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on Him today from your heart? Lord Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I confess to you today that I am a sinner. And I pray, God, that you will come into my heart and life. I turn from my sins today and I turn to you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me. Thank you for giving me life. And Jesus, I don't ask you for a sign. And I don't ask you for a feeling. I just thank you on the basis of your promise to me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Child of God, are you living the abundant life? Hey, listen, I know we all are still, it's it's a battle every day. But the thing we need to understand is it's a winnable battle. You say, preacher, I've tried and I've tried and I just can't do it. Well, man, you figured something out there. You can't do it. But God can do it through you, amen. You can live the abundant life. What is our theme of the year? Life abundant. What is our theme really as a church, our mission as a church? Life abundant and life abundant. All that we do leads to that. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for your faithfulness, God. Help us to be true to this mission, God, that you've given to us. Thank you that you were faithful to your mission. Help us to be faithful to ours. God, I pray, God, for anybody who's bound today, for anybody who's dead today, that they might be made alive in Christ, Lord. There's hope. There's hope, and it's found in you by grace through faith. Thank you for that, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for spending your morning with us. Have a great afternoon.